me pray for you. Do you want to use the handheld mic? Okay. So let's pray for Sandra. So Lord, we, we welcome Sandra. Uh, we open our, our arms and our hearts to her today and, and ask God that you would give her great freedom. We know you have much treasure to share with us today. So we ask for your empowering, Lord, that uh, we, we embrace our limits and know that you are able to work within them. And so we bless her to just be who she is uh, with us as her, her church family. And thank you for the gift she is to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks. Go for it. Thank you. Hi. Happy New Year. This is actually the start of the Christian year. The lectionary readings start today. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a last-minute decision to divide this very long sermon into two. Um, so um, bear with me as I kind of midstream decide what's going in and out for this week and next week. Um, and here's my notes. So, yes. So I'm just going to pass this around. You each read a bubble, and you've got the sermon. There you go. Um, yeah. So I was thinking of Dean this week, and thinking, oh, if only my brain worked in bullet points, but it really doesn't. <laughs> It works in this big cloud, and it's like all these ideas are stringing together. You know, the iCloud, I got a me cloud, and it sits over, and it goes, doo -doo -doo -doo, and there's all these lines. So, um, yeah, I really hope today is coherent for everybody. And uh, Matt, at 10 o'clock last night, helped me do the PowerPoint. So I hope I remember where I'm supposed to click my little, little PowerPoint here. Um, that's, here you go. That is neurotypical right there. Um, all right, so we're in Advent, and everyone knows I like Christmas, and um, I like it because it is, Advent to me is really about hope, and um, the Bible translates hope a lot of times, or the translators translate the Bible hope a lot of times as waiting, so waiting and hope and confidence are really tied kind of the same um, thing. So, um, yeah, like Gordy, I just want to encourage you to not just... Um, Advent is purple. You can't. It's hard to tell those curtains or whatever those things are called back there. It's a purple time for um, because it's like Lent um, because it's actually traditionally been a time that we um, of preparation and penance and sacrifice. And Advent is traditionally a special time to think about your sins. And um, those all really don't sound like super popular things, or that people that are up to at Christmas time. We want to rush around and buy stuff and bake and plan and um, yeah and God can be in those things too but yeah try to this is to me Advent is a real gift of holy time and it's a time to actually slow like I constantly I have lists and I pull things off the lists all the time through this time and and just try to remember um, that this is this is like the beginning of it all. This we have a God of promises, and he and he starts right here in our first day of our year. 
Um, and the hope, of course, is um, Emmanuel, that God is with us. Um, and I think you can kind of sum up basically the whole Bible and theology in that name of God, basically, like God with us. That's pretty much everything that we're believing, really, that there's, there is a God and that he's good, um, that he's with us, that he's with us always through joy and through suffering, um, that he's never going to forsake us. And, and God's also with himself, right? He's a trinity communing with, they're communing with each other, and we are invited individually and collectively into that withness. And there's us. And um, we are also good. God made us, and he said we're good. And um, when we think about hope, I'll definitely talk about hopelessness, too. And I think one of the sources of hopelessness sometimes is a failure to recognize our own goodness, that God sees us as good. He's pursuing us because he really still likes us. He's still into us, right? He's not, uh, yeah. So... If we lose sight of the fact our own goodness, I think it's hard to know God and and to to really de- deepen that relationship. So, and Jesus really lived out these three words: the God and the with and the us. Um, Thomas Merton says that Jesus is the whole theology of the Father. I think that's a really great picture that He was God, He was with, and He was us. He enfleshed Himself as us for a time. So, um, and I think obviously humanity really regularly doubts each one of those things, that there is God, that, he's, that he is good, um, whether he with us, whether he's really here, it seems absent, the world is overwhelming, and does he even want to be with us, you know? Um, um, and I think it's Hark the Herald where it says, um, pleased is man with man to dwell, that he's pleased to be with us, and, um, and we doubt us, we doubt our goodness, we get lost in self-hatred and despair and different things. And um, there's lots to despair about, as Dean reminded us last week in the first few hopeful points of his sermon last week. You know, there's government corruption everywhere. There's terrorism. There's extremist politics. There's the rise of hate on social media. There's populism, environmental crisis, anxiety and depression at higher and higher levels, even in children. Um, Social trust and empathy are down when they... And Christmas itself, is though this is a joyful time, it is also a really hard and lonely time and stressful time for a lot of people. The busyness, money stresses, family dynamics, um, wish the stress of wishing that your family was the Norman Rockwell painting that doesn't exist and never existed. That's a stress in itself. Um, the World Health Organization estimates that there's nearly 800,000 people who commit suicide every year and that for every attempt... Um, for every successful suicide, if you want to call it that, um, there's 20 attempts. That's like 16 million attempts. That's like a lot of despair. And, um, yeah, that, uh, I don't know why I think about that. It's just kind of overwhelming. Um, And then if we're not in despair all the time, then there's just a lot of people, I think, living lives without purpose and meaning, kind of like a little lost, like, what's the point? And um, many people are just brokenhearted, broken in body, surrounded with difficult or failed relationships. People have losing sense of community and belonging. People are lonely. So what's... There's your Christmas sermon. Isn't that cheery? Okay, goodbye. Um, So (laughs) how does this work? Let's read with all that that cheery note. Let's read the first um, 
Another one of today's lectionary readings from Matthew 24. How does this go? I have it upside down. And this is the advancing? Yes. There we go. Um, yeah, so this is Matthew 24, one of today's lectionary readings. Um, but about the day and the about that day and the hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will become the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had, taken, had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Oh, there's a cheery Christmas passage. <laughs> You're expecting sort of, you know, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor who's coming, but instead you got left behind with the Kirk Cameron passage. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, does that inspire hope in you? Um, anyway, let's read Romans from today's lectionary reading. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So I think a lot of humanity, and I think a lot of Christians too, are hopeless and struggle with a sense of loss of meaning and purpose. Um, we'll see that hopeless and meaning and hopeless hope and meaning and purpose are really connected, as is hope and belonging. These are really, you kind of can't have hope without some meaning and purpose, and you can't have hope without connection and belonging. Um, and I think that we've lost a lot of hope in the world because we don't know what time it is. What time is it, Mr. Wolf? It's end times. <laughs> so, <clears throat> end times. Um, when I cracked open the lectionary readings, I was like, oh my, there is like a lot of crazy around end times, right? Um, if you look up eschatology images on Google, uh, oh, there's, you get a lot of like super helpful charts like that. Um, very complicated. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, Dean was mentioning Revelations. This is from the Brick Bible. I don't recommend it for children necessarily. My children really hate the Brick Bible Revelations uh, section. There's Jesus. He looks so cheery with that sword coming out of his mouth. He's got some red stars there for Christmas. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't think end times has to be crazy. And I had to talk about end times because that's what these scripture readings are about. Um, and the Bible does not separate hope from end times. And I'm not going to talk about this end times. I asked Evangeline, what's hope? Can you draw me a picture of hope? And she's like, I, I, you can't see hope. It's invisible. And I was like, I know. Can you draw me something? And she's like, so there's a guy saying, what is hope? And there's a baby in a stroller saying, God, da best. Um, I'm not sure what the stroller baby does, but you know. Um, but she said, well, isn't hope thinking about good things? I was like, yes, that's 
exactly what hope is. So we're going to talk about the good things and not the crazy. Um, because Jesus said to his disciples um, that this generation would not pass away before the second coming, before he came again. And obviously they died. So generation, that generation is us. We're still that generation. So um, even though, you know, there's been years where he's supposed to come and he didn't come. And there's this year and year 2000 he was supposed to come and he didn't come. We are actually in end times. And we've been talking about sharpening our focus. And I really think that we can't sharpen our focus until we realize the bigger context that our lives are in. Like that your life's in, that my life's in, that we, our lives are in the context of the advancing kingdom. That, um, that the end times are very near, that the, the day is far gone, the night is far gone, and the day is near. Um, and I think that's one of the big differences between the early disciples and like the church is um, they knew what time it was. They really had in mind, this is, Jesus is coming again. And they really lived out of that conviction and that hope. And um, it was a really narrow focus. It was like advance the kingdom while deepening your relationship with God. And I don't think the focus really has changed. Um, how we think about advancing the kingdom maybe has changed. But, um, yeah, I think... Uh, but we were kind of, I think we've a little lost sight of that. And I think the world has lost sight of that. And what we, when we think about end times, it's like the gloomy guy on the side of the road going, the end is nigh, you know, repent. Um, but I don't think, I think basically since Jesus ascended, it's been end times. And it doesn't have to be super complicated. And we don't have to think about all the crazy details of Revelation. But, um, and I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, uh, Gordy mentioned the surfer who survived the tsunami. And um, I felt like God really highlighted that to me, like a metaphor, like it just kept running through my mind and running through that story, just like, it's crazy, this guy served a tsunami. Um, and I felt like God, yeah, highlight this to me, like that it was, that the surfer recognized reality. Like, I, I listened to his, um, his interviews, and he kind of, they saw the signs, right? The, the water pulled away, and they could see the reef, and they, you know, realized, and he'd felt the earthquake. So he kind of read the signs and realized, this is a tsunami. And he just did what he'd practiced and prepared for. He, he didn't steer away from it. He actually paddled into the storm, and not focusing on the tsunami itself, but just focused on what his body needed to do, and what he knew he should do when you're surfing. And um, I think we need to recognize reality again, that the kingdom is near and advancing. Um, and the kingdom is invisible, but it's as real as everything that we can see. The kingdom is as real as everything that you can touch and see. Um, and so I think if we regain that focus, uh, that... that that sight of what the reality actually is right now, um, that will regain our focus and hope and purpose. Um, and the key thing, the other thing about that surfer, he wasn't by himself. He actually had a few friends, and together they were kind of like, what's going on? And they together they figured out what was happening and what to do. And that's totally key, that like, we gotta do this together, and um, hope is like a group activity. <laughs> um, so we gotta remind each other of our hope, right? And the Bible says that. Just remind each other of the words that bring you hope. Remind each other, bring, say those words to each other again and again that bring hope. Um, so um, we're in the end times, um, which is really the hopeful promise of Emmanuel's return and resurrection. Res 
and restoration. What does it mean for us now? Hope isn't just for heaven, a new heaven and new earth. We keep that in mind. I think, you know, it says in the um, Psalms, it says, teach me to number my days so that I'll have wisdom for my life. That's not like, keep me obsessed with the fact that I'm going to die. But the fact that you're going to die informs how you live your life. And so the fact that we have a new heaven and new creation coming and we're going to be restored individually, collectively, informs this life. So the hope isn't just for the next life, but the hope is really for this life. And I think that's why Paul calls it the anchor to our souls. Because in the storm, storms of this life, in the storms that we see around us, the hope is now. The hope is now. It's not just for there. Um, And so it really animates living in hopeful action, hopefully. Um, And I think we're called to be living our hope as prophetic witness. I mean, if we're not hopeful, how's the world going to be hopeful? You know, if we're not the, the ones who've got, like, the hope of our calling, if we don't, we've lost kind of sight of that, we've lost the focus on that, then what, what hope does the world have if we're not hoping, right? Um, and I think the world only, and the world needs us because the world only sees the tsunami. We see all this stuff. People without hope are just seeing the one reality, the tsunami, the storm, the like overwhelming events that are going on in our world. But we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, and we are the ones who can see and hear and sense within us this other reality. And I think that's what we need to be living out of, is this really keeping our eyes not on what is seen, but as what is unseen. Um, and not get too lost in like apologetics and the truth and converting people to the right sets of beliefs. But maybe advancing the kingdom means helping people to hear their own souls. Because everyone's own soul actually hears that voice. The still small voice isn't just in Christians. It's in the souls of all the people. That's, that's the God that I believe in. And... So if he's, that voice is possible in everyone, maybe we just help people to hear their souls again, reconnect to the, the voice that's inside them that t- speaks of the new reality. Um, and uh, I, one of the key things for us to be able to hear that voice, I think, is we really need to be awake, like uh, Jesus said in, in the Matthew passage, like, wake up. And Romans, he says, it's time to wake up from sleep. Awake, O sleeper. Because there's a lot of other voices, right? There's voices of consumerism and capitalism and fear and hatred and violence and war-making and death. There's the pursuit of happiness, which basically just means rich and famous at this point. Um, Or about life that's fulfilling yourself or pursuing your wellness or your wholeness. Or then there's the voices that just say this is all there is, right? We're just a physical body. Make yourself happy, you die, you rot. That's all. Um, voices of nihilism, I think, are super loud in our culture, that nothing's sacred, nothing matters, you don't matter. Um, I read this super interesting book called Everything is Effed, um, a book about hope. And it was a book basically arguing against hope, <laughs> saying that hope um, is just one of the illusions we cling to to make meaning. And uh, the, you know, the uncomfortable truth is that essentially we don't matter and nothing we do matters and we're just a big, don't you know? And uh, those all voices are really, really loud. And um, so it takes pausing, it takes resting, it takes waiting to really listen and hear that voice. And then if we can hear that voice, if we can have eyes to see and ears to hear the reality that exists beyond our sight, 
and maybe the world will have more hope too. Um, so next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what hope is and what hope is not, because this is actually an insanely huge topic. People have been debating hope for a really long time. Theologists, theologists. I was thinking psychologists at the same time I was saying theo theologians. <laughs> Um, yeah, in psychology and in doctors, they debate whether hope is a good thing, whether they shouldn't try to encourage that in patients or not. Um, it just seems crazy to me that they're debating whether hope would be something that's good. Um, so, yeah, I'll talk more about what hope is and, and isn't next week. Um, so I, when I, I was thinking about hope and I read, like, so many things, so many things, I made up the big cloud... Um, that, and then I just said to God, I want, can you give me something that is like, I don't want it to be abstract. Like what can we, what's something really personal that we can just bring hope to really, uh, a real sense today? Cause, um, and I felt like he gave me this verse and, uh, and I've, heard, we've all heard this verse a million times. It's like, Super familiar, so I'm hoping we can hear it in a new way today. But I felt like God specifically say, here's kind of like the seed of where hope starts. You've searched me and known me. You've formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. You've searched me and known me. Um, this is really familiar. I know it's really familiar, but... Um, when I, I'm hoping I can convey to you, when I heard it this time in the context of hope, um, because I haven't necessarily thought connected these, this verse to hope before, um, I really got this sense of God's presence in me, and I got this sense of just how intimate that searching is, just how tender it is, how full of wonder it is. Like, I really saw God kind of inside, like, just this, like, moving spirit caressing the insides of each one of us and just being like so that searching and knowing isn't like I searched you know you ah uh, and here's your list of sins and failures it was like so full of awe and wonder for his own creation um so full of value and honor for each one of us um and it, yeah it made me think of the song you know he appears and the soul felt its worth God is so not weary of us. This looks like the times of Noah, but he's not, you know, he's not doing that same method again, right? He is so still into us. He is waiting for us, and God hopes for us. God hopes for us. We're not just hoping for him. He's waiting for us, too. Um, love hopes all things. God's love. He is hoping in each one of us. There is hope in each one of us. Um, and God fully sees your goodness. And that searching is just this really beautiful, like, I don't know. I was trying to, you look up, like, love paintings, and you get a lot of really horrible things that come up. Terrible, terrible paintings. This is the closest I could get to something that felt snuggly, but, um, yeah. So, anyway. Um, and... Uh, then the other thing I felt like God say to me is I felt like I'm saying specifically, I want you to say this thing. So here it is. And then I'll um, basically end with this. Um, that kind of bringing it back to Advent and to Christmas. Um, I'm sorry, it's super hard to find a picture of those two walking that's not cheesy. 
Um, super hard. Um, so, um, part of the Christmas story is the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And nothing in the Bible is coincidence. So, I felt like God said, I want you to think about the symbolism of that journey. So, I thought about that, and I researched the journey. You can, you can do this as a, you know, walk. You can, you can go and, and, and do a tour walking their, their path from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And I thought, what... Yeah, what is the symbolism of them having to leave everything they knew, everything familiar, their town, their family, their friends, probably a couple of booked midwives, <laughs> you know, some people who were going to help, through um, a dangerous, long journey through the heat. Jesus pro- wasn't born in December, probably. He was, they probably walked in a lot of heat. Um, travel at that time was robbers and bandits on the road. Um, and... Uh, there was for, there's forest, it's not actually all just barren desert when they were walking and it had lions and tigers and bears, oh my, but there was actually wild animals. There was, it was a dangerous journey, leaving everything they knew. Um, through a hostile Samaria, they probably went through Samaria. Josephus says most people, most of the Jews did walk through Samaria, so it was a hostile land they had to walk through. Um, at really the most uncomfortable and inconvenient time for a nine-month-old pregnant woman. If Matt had said to me at eight weeks or eight months and three weeks, okay, we're going to go for, I don't know, like a couple of weeks walk, I would have been like, uh, yeah, no. (laughs) Like, at the end, you really are done. Like, it feels like bursting. And she probably wasn't sitting on a donkey actually either because if you were really pregnant, I think sitting on a donkey would actually be way more uncomfortable than actually just walking. Um... (laughs) Only the women who've been really pregnant at the very end know that you probably just would have walked instead of bounced on top of a donkey. Um, also, apparently walking with a donkey is slower at times. Let the donkey, you're going at the donkey's rate, and apparently you, even at nine months pregnant, you can walk a little faster than sitting on a donkey. Um, donkey would have slowed you down. And maybe the donkey was actually probably carrying, if there was a donkey, it would have been carrying, um, you know, food, water, supplies. Um, so I felt like God say... Like, what's, yeah, that, the, that hope itself is a journey. If, and I, I think he, he wants us to know that, you know, if you're not sitting with a big bucket full of hope every single day, he's not disappointed. That we, we learn hope, right? We come, we come to faith with some starts and fits and little seeds, and we learn to hope. We journey to hope, and that hope actually swells in us like a baby fills up a mother's belly. And the more, the bigger you get, actually, the more uncomfortable you actually get, right? The closer and closer you get to bearing that baby, you are really uncomfortable. And the more full of hope we are, we actually get more uncomfortable with our former ways, our false selves, the world, right? Hebrews says that we are foreigners and exiles here. So the more full of hope you are, the more the world isn't going to fit you, right? Hope doesn't feel like get full and then you're like, oh, you're Pollyanning through the, the life going, oh, did you know Jesus loves you? You're actually like, oh, the waiting feels like suffering at the end, right? It's, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, that's what hope kind of does, in a sense. Um, so it's sort of a little paradoxical. So um, hope is not born where we start out. Hope is born away from your comfort zone. It's born in life and death circumstances. It's born in dangers and trials. Hope is born in the act of growing, an act of waiting on God. Um, as Paul says in Romans, whoop, 
I lost it. Um, we exult in hope. And not only this, but we also rejoice when we run into problems and trials. For we know that trials help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character develops hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Hope does not disappoint. Hope comes through the endurance of many troubles. I wish that I could say to you, hope comes when you follow your heart and find your passion and your dream job, or hope comes when everyone recognizes how amazing you are and all the things you can do, or, you know, mountaintops experience with gods, but the reality is hope, and we know this, we know that hope um, comes through pains, losses, griefs, trials, um, but we can rejoice, we can rejoice in those trials, um, because um, if we have everything we want, like Paul says, hope is unnecessary. We're hoping for what we've yet to possess. And um, Thomas Merton says that the very act of hoping is the beginning of possessing the one who we hope for. The very act of it, we start to take hold of the God who's taken hold of us. Um, so it's by hope that we actually come to know him, that faith is kind of the start. We hear by faith. But hope is actually how we come to really intimately know God is through hoping him, in him. And um, I'll just end on just that, my own kind of personal experience with this, is I think that's really true, that faith is kind of the start, and hope is really how you come to know God. Um, so um, God has stripped away loads of things in my life. Life has stripped away many of those things, and, and God's worked in those things. So, I mean, I've had typical kind of similar life to most people, you know, Things that have been taken away, dreams. I, you know, I went through a, my own childhood was childhood trauma, so I was kind of a loss of childhood. I've lost mental health at times. I've lost physical health. Um, I've lost a brother by suicide. My mom died really untimely, and friends I've lost. So typical life. Most people have had lives full of traumas and hard things, and um, and uh, I'm not saying God did all those things, obviously, um, but He works in all those things. And I've really, it's, it sounds so cheesy, but it's actually true that, like, he, I, I asked God at the beginning of my life with God, I was like, I want you to just rip out everything between you and me. And then I was like, oh, gosh, wish I could take that prayer back. <laughs> because that's actually what God's done. So he's searched me, and he's known me, and I really feel like God is tailor-fit my life to my life of faith. It's my, the things in my life, I can really see God's hand in them now. Of course, in the midst of trials, you're just like, whoa, that's, it's hard to just see, you know, um, which I think is why we remember, why God wants us to remember. We want, we've got to go back and look at our lives and see God's hand there to find hope. And, um, and then in this past year, um, this whole year coming up to this, I feel like I've been prepping this sermon for like a year actually, because this whole past year, God's led me through this dark night of the senses. I've always been sort of been able to kind of sense God and hear him and had a lot of, um, you know, kind of feelings and things like that. And it has just been like silent this year. Like I haven't heard God except in the context of when I'm with, with others. And... Um, not had any sensations or good feelings to encourage me to, you know, do all the nice things. And weirdly, how absent God has seemed, I've started, I found myself, as I was thinking about this sermon, I'm like, I feel something different. I feel like something really deep in me. And it's like, 
you seem so absent, and he's brought me to this place of really hope. I've had this really deeper sense of his, and a deeper sense of his knowing me. Like I can, I don't know how to explain it. It all feels so hard to explain, but a sense of his knowing in me. I can feel where that is almost, and, um, and his searching, and I feel like I can really sense for the first time God really like likes me. Not just loves me because he has to because he's love, but he likes me. And I'm like, seriously, how has this happened through a year of just like silence? It's just the craziest thing. But it's, um, yeah, it's been really miraculous. And, you know, for the people who know me better and, you know, the, known the levels of despair that I've been to in my life and the lack of peace and joy due to trauma and depression and anxiety and different struggles like that, it is like nothing short of miraculous that God feels so deep down in there. Um, so I really think that is how we come to know God. I feel him, I sense knowing him myself in a different way. And so I think by hoping in him, that is totally how we come to possess him. Like in our bodies, like in our deep place, not just this intellectual set of beliefs, but in our body in a deep place. Um, so yeah, I really sense that he is nearer than when I first believed. And he's nearer to all of us than when we first believed. So, yeah, that's my part one of hope. And um, that is really my prayer for this, this Advent and the world and for all of us here today, that we can really recover the conviction of the depth and the height and the width and the beauty of his steadfast loving kindness for us and for all people. And that we can really sense his good will for us in this season, how much he does want to bring us peace. Um, yeah, may we be alive in hope for this life and the life to come. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. Wow, so rich. I think we should just hold that together. Let's just savor what we've heard and Just let the Lord give you a gift of, of that knowing deeper. This morning I was sharing with our prayer team that in my reading, I, my devotional readings don't necessarily line up with the Christian year. And my reading this morning was the resurrection from Matthew 28. And it was the story of these women who went to this tomb in the, in the most un, unimaginable despair and confusion and chaos of their lives and and feeling like their hope had been snuffed out. But it was love that took them to that tomb. And uh, the angel, when they encountered the angel, the angel said, don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid. The most repeated command in Scripture, don't be afraid. And uh, I've heard someone say, I don't know if it's true, 365 times in the Bible, it says don't fear. One for every day of the year. Uh, it's probably pretty close. There's a lot of times where God says that. Have you noticed that? It says that a lot. Don't be afraid. And I wonder if that's the most disobeyed command. Um, but then the angel said, go, uh, he said, Jesus, go tell his disciples to meet him in Galilee. So they, the angel commissioned the women to go tell his, his apostles. Some, some have called Mary Magdalene apostle to the apostles. She was sent by Jesus, commissioned by Jesus to the apostles. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just stopped me and, and said, listen to the women. Listen to the women. And so I, I think it's very timely that Sandra is doing this series. I think there's perspectives and insights that she's getting uh, that, frankly, I just wouldn't get. <laughs> it's just my perspective, and that has been so rich this morning. Thank you, Sandra. So enlightening. Such a blessing. So we're going to, I want us to take that into communion in a minute, but we're going to do a little family thing first, and that is, this is Robin's last Sunday before he, he goes uh, back to Germany, and he's been such a blessing to us, and we have a little present for you, Robin. Come on up here. Um, Kim, who can't be with us today, lovingly.